What is going on? I am your semi-drunk host after watching a couple World Cup games at the bar up the road. Headphone Joe, and I'm here with my thankfully still sober co-host, Brennan Tass. Brennan, how are you doing? What's up, man? I didn't realize this new work from home thing's got you going to bars watching World Cup. Uh, I mean, it's a little bit of work from home. It's a little bit. Of, I'm ahead of all my work because I'm getting ready to move. So I've like been up late night making sure I can. Yeah, because the last couple of weeks of when we've been talking, you've been like getting no sleep, just like working through the nights and yep, everything. Yep, yep, yep. Making sure and now I you're can... reaping the benefits. Exactly. I I got things up for next Tuesday that I've already done. Email prepped and ready to go. Not going to send it till Tuesday. Yeah, you can't send it in too early because then they'll give you something else to do. Exactly, Brennan. Got to work smarter, not harder. But uh, yeah, so I've been taking advantage of this time to enjoy some World Cup uh, semifinals games, well, which which we will get to uh, later. But we're going to start, as we do always, with the kickoff, where we discuss some of the big topics in sports, which will include the World Cup. But first and foremost, we always got to get to the NFL. Then we're going to get to the NBA and then after those three, we're going to get to the quick hits where we're going to review some things. We're going to talk about some moves and we're going to welcome some people back home. So without any further ado, ready to return the opening kickoff. Perfect way to kick off. Here we go. Brennan. Yeah, it's Wednesday, but we had. Game of the week on a Sunday night. Shocker. I think only really because of uh, the divisiveness or divisiveness of uh, the polarization of these two quarterbacks who are in the same draft who yeah. are not the two best quarterbacks in that draft. Uh, don't forget, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, probably better than both of these guys. Um, but yeah, Brennan, how did you feel about Miami versus the Chargers? So this was interesting because... Um if you would have told me two weeks ago, Miami Chargers, I would have been like, ugh, I don't want to watch that game. And then it turned out to be the game of the week. Hey, uh, I thought it was super, I thought it was super entertaining. I thought it was a great game. I think that uh, last week, the San Francisco 49ers kind of gave the blueprint against Miami on what to do. And that's something I heard on other podcasts and people way smarter than me when it comes to football, break it down about how Tua likes to throw parallel and not vertically. He's more accurate when he's throwing, you know, uh, east and West against the line of scrimmage. And then uh, San Francisco came in with Fred Warner and said, all right, well, we're going to take away the middle of the field and beat them. And then it kind of looks like the Chargers wanted to do that. Something I found fascinating about this was the Chargers are missing five of their starting Crazy. defensive players, and they were playing like it didn't matter. And I know we talk about it all the time. Next man up, just do your job. But that Chargers defense looked fantastic. They went man coverage against Tyreek Hill. And uh, Waddle, which is kind of what you have to do against Miami. And if you go man coverage, you're going to get burnt. Tyreek Hill had that one, what was it, 60-yard bomb that he caught? Yeah. But other than that, it was, they they held them, they held pretty steady. Uh, I think it's interesting because the Chargers looked dead towards the middle of the season. They kind of looked dead in the beginning when the Jaguars put it on them. Yeah, so yeah. now I think it's interesting that they're back in this playoff fight that I thought they were out of. Yeah, so this game was uh as you as you alluded to, it felt like the San Francisco game was kind of a one in a million, but did they leave did they leave a blueprint? And as you said, I feel like they did, but the Chargers didn't necessarily even use that blueprint. Um, because I think 
the 49ers have so much skill at all those positions that it yeah. was it's going to be hard to duplicate. But the Chargers did do something, and it made me notice the fatal flaw in Tua's game. So they played press coverage. They uh, mistimed the receivers, and Tua is a timing guy. 100% doesn't have a cannon, but his accuracy because of his timing is impeccable. To me, what I realized was Tua has zero improvisational skills. <laughs> it, funny because Brendan hates improv. Um, hey. <laughs> he has no improvisational skills. If the play breaks down, and I don't even know. I was talking to my homeboy Donnie on the phone the other day after the game, and I was like, it's kind of like, say you're playing Madden. It, it, there's a couple of things, but this is like the funniest example. It's like, say you're playing Madden, and you know you have the right trigger when you're picking your plays, so you can flip the play, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But two is a left-handed quarterback. So he's never going to roll out to the right if a play is breaking down. He's rolling out to the left, but every route, is going to the right. Oh, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he so he would have to effectively stop and throw across his body, but he doesn't want to do that because he wants to avoid turnovers or anything like that. So he'd rather just run for four or five yards and call it a day. I felt like because they were pressing and it was throwing off the timing, it did open up the receivers later in their routes but because I don't know if it was a lack of mirroring their quarterback or just not the 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 muscle memory to mirror left instead of right. Yeah, it's a very small percentage of it. Just threw it kind of throws their entire offense into disarray. So Tua has to he has to get that improvisational ability. And that will take this offense to the next level. If not, they're, they may be in danger of missing the postseason altogether. Um, I don't think they will because they're too good of a team. Um, that was one thing I noticed. And the other thing I noticed are the Chargers still, to me, have many flaws. Oh, yeah. Primarily being, I mean, I understand that they're dealing with injuries and they're doing the best with what they got, but there and i've i've harped on this all season long their coaching staff just get just gets dumb offensively gets dumb in random times it's yeah it's joe lombardi it because is it joe or michael one of them was a joe gm lombardi. somewhere michael joe? lombardi was the gm okay i know um, that cuz he used to be on the bill simmons podcast okay great so and Mina Khan's pointed out on Twitter, and I noticed it as well. The entire first drive, they had everyone knows the Chargers offensive line is in disarray. The entire first drive they were on, Herbert was never stationary in the pocket, continuously rolling out left, right, making plays down the field. But once they got to the red zone, they eliminated all the rollouts and made him a statue and a target, and they go four and out. And my thing is, for as great as Herbert is, he had a pass, he had a beautiful pass to Keenan Allen down the field. And then they settle for a field goal. 
when they start facing the better teams, if you're settling for field goals, you're going to get boat raced. Yeah, and we've talked about this before, is that her, it's not... I know you have a problem with Herbert being anointed the chosen one by social media, but I think watching him, because I watched a lot of this game. I actually was able to watch a lot of this game. I got too. out at a decent time. And some of the some of the stuff he's able to do, just processing and like some of the throws he can make, he you is, realize he's great. Oh, yeah. This is my issue. This is my issue has go, never been with him. It's with the coaching staff. Well, my issue is I don't want to put words in your mouth, but my issue is with the coaching staff. It's exactly what you're saying. And the Brandon Staley sometimes going for it on like fourth and 10, and you're like, what the fuck are we doing, dude? And there's a scenario has- where that that first fourth down, that first fourth down they go for it on, they don't get it like they did. Tua doesn't have this weird game. They go up 24 to 23, and now they have to go on a game winning drive. Yeah. Where they could have been up 26-24. Yeah, I don't trust, and I've been on the I've been on the Miami shorting all season. I haven't trusted them all year. Um, but this Chargers game is just it really opened up my eyes because the game itself was a great game. And then it's one of those things where it's like, and what I was saying earlier about uh, taking something away from the San Francisco game, I don't think it was like you said, I would just want to echo what you said. It's not a blueprint, but there are things you can take away from that, which is the press coverage. Because everyone for the longest time the first 12 weeks, 15, 14 weeks, we're trying to play zone against Miami. Yeah. And Waddle, first of all, Tua loves the zone because he's a timing thrower. And second of all, Waddle and Tyree Kill are going to just annihilate the zone. Yeah, you might not get over the top, but then they'll run a post route and just burn you. So the fact that they went man straight up actually showed more of a weakness on Tua's part than it mm. did on the receiving course part. Exactly. To, to, again, to echo what you said. But I, I think watching this game, it was one of those things where it was a fun game, but then in hindsight, I'm like, oh, one of these teams, if not both, but probably definitely one of these teams is going to make the playoffs, and then they'll get bounced in the first round. Like, this is not a thing. Both of them have flaws that are just too easily defined for me to think that they're going to make a long run in the postseason. Um, Unless, and I was thinking about that after my discussion with my friend, and I was like, if you think about some of Tyreek Hill's most explosive plays. They all came from a Patrick Mahomes leaving the pocket, looking downfield continuously, seeing Tyreek in open space, and flinging it 30, 40 yards. And sometimes just flinging it, hoping Tyree's going to find the open space. Exactly. Two, that's the one thing that Tua doesn't keep his eyes downfield. At all. When he scram- once he scrambles, he scrambles to run, and he doesn't scramble to continue the play. Whereas do you think Herbert, injuries have something to do with that? Um, I don't know if it's injuries or just like it, it's not. I don't think it's ever been something he's been asked to do. Yeah. Because I just didn't know because that hip injury was brutal and he got that from a, a rollout. And so yeah. I don't know if maybe it's one of those things where when he takes off, he his his just subconsciously, just his brain is like fucking get ready to get hit. That could be that could play a factor into it, but I think more so because I mean in college he he had the better players. So if a play broke down, it was either throw it away or try to get as much as you can. And in the NFL, it's it's been similarly like either get rid of it or just get as much as you can. Like no one's ever told him, like, hey, there's more to gain still. Plus, can, he's been yeah, playing. Keep behind, this play alive. He's been playing behind poor offensive lines. So, I, in his mind, like his internal clock is going, and it's like, 
okay, just go get as much as I can. Like I don't yeah, he's at the, even like, if I scramble out. Go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like even if I do roll out, like how long do I have to hold on to this? Because somebody may, might be barreling down to take me out. Yeah, I cut you off. What were you gonna say about Herbert? Uh, I was gonna say no, Herbert. That's the the thing that I think Herbert. Like if we're pitting these two quarterbacks against each other, like social media has. Um, that's the thing that Herbert has over Tua. Like that is more glaring than his ability to throw. Mind you, he's an excellent thrower. He has one of the best balls in the league. Um, he had a pass to uh to Keenan Allen that was that a magic. Yeah, that was magical. It was similar to Jalen Hurts's uh over the shoulder pass to AJ Brown against the Titans, where the defender is defending as well as he can. And the ball can only go to one spot, yeah, and it's, it's there. Like, Boom! And it's like wow! Like people are looking, like how did that happen? Uh, but it's Herbert's ability to extend plays and continue looking down the field and get into that next level, and allowing his receivers to do a little more and getting it to them uh, beyond uh, the flow of the actual structured offense. So once two against that, I feel like especially with these receivers, he'll be. So he'll improve even more than he has this year. But until that, the Dolphins will only go as far as their offense of system will allow them to. Yeah, I completely agree. All right. I'm glad you did. All right. Next one. Brennan, it's time to tap dance on some graves, man. What are we doing? I thought you were going to say something at least there. Uh, we are going to discuss the Detroit Lions beating up on the Minnesota Who's Vikings. Graves? Oh, the Minnesota Vikings? Yeah, man. It took the only it team. It took a lot longer been, this season, but Kirk Cousins has shown his true Kirk Cousinsness. Oh, well, the funny thing is, Kirk had like a not terrible game. He probably had the best game, one of the best games of his career. But that's primarily because they were down for so long, so he had to continuously keep throwing the ball through for like over 400 yards. But what I've been saying that this team is not good and their record does not bear out as it should. They got boat raced and don't let the score fool you. Yes, it ended up being an 11-point game, but at no point did I ever think there was not a moment where there I was, was like, not oh, a the moment are in this. of doubt in my mind that the Vikings were going to win this game. And mind you, Detroit missed a field goal going into the half. So this could have been a two-touchdown game. But the Minnesota defense in the last, I believe it was five games, has allowed more than 400 yards of offense. God, that's so many. Their defense is so bad. Now, their offense is is decent. Is And that's the only word I can say. I can't say good. Kirk Cousins is the quarterback. Their offense is decent. They have some great skill players in uh uh, Je- Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook. They have a good skill player. I only say that because it's age now. And Adam Thielen and uh, Hawkinson. Never really liked him as a tight end. Thought he was a little overrated. My, my I opinion. thought he was incredibly overrated coming out. They were predicting him in like the second round. I was like, Super this guy's overrated. a fucking Iowa tight end. I was about to say, he, benefited, he benefited from George Kittle. Yeah, this guy went in the top 10. Yeah, super overrated in my opinion uh had it had a crucial drop just a straight up drop in this game by the way yeah but 
Detroit has, especially coming off of their bye week, their defense has improved immensely going from one of the bottom defenses, I think somewhere around like 28th as far as either scoring or points allowed, to now 10th. Really? And that's not 10th since the bye. That's 10th over the season. yeah. So they've been so good since the bye that they've buoyed how terrible they were before the bye. Like... This it's this team. I said it uh, weeks ago. This team has the potential to have one of the best offenses because not only was Amar Ross St. Brown doing super well, you had Jamal Williams playing out of his mind. I think he leads the league in touchdowns still, or he may have been caught by now. But uh, you had DeAndre Swift when healthy is great. But they still had first round talent, Jamison Williams, coming, coming who played at in. Alabama. And I was like, as soon as he gets there, it's going to take them up a notch. Like, including them having... He scored his first touchdown this he week. He scored his first touchdown. Last week, we talked about, we were like, did he play? Did he not play? He had one target last week. This week, he gets his first catch, and it was a touchdown. Yeah, and beat he Beat the receiver. He burned. Uh, he beat he burned the, corner, the corner. The corner falls, and then he gets a wide-open touchdown. Yep. So Yeah, this Detroit team is really coming on, and this is something that I really like to see. <clears throat> just as a fan of the the Jacksonville team, because last year and the year before it was a big thing where they were losing, but they were only, they were like, what was it? Like six out of their 10 losses were by one score. And there was all these stats. Like they're not a bad team. They're just losing these games since Dan Campbell got there. And then this year in the beginning of the season, it was the same thing. They were losing these games, but just barely like I think they lost two, two games by like one. They lost to the Eagles by like a touchdown, if not less. And then they lost the game to the Vikings by four on a last second touchdown from the Vikings. Yeah. And so to see them being able to put it together and I know the rub on Jared Goff and I know everyone makes jokes that they had to trade a first round pick with Jared Goff to get Matthew Stafford. I understand all that. And also, that first-round pick is going to look great. Amazing. Detroit's going to be in a great position because Jared Goff looks like he's the guy. And don't forget— And the Sean, Rams are losing. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And so they're not going to have to go get a quarterback in this next draft is the point I'm making because— so, I mean, they, it, Goff's been to a Super Bowl. He's they not, have you can say the what you luxury. want about system, but— They have the luxury to choose if they want to or not. Exactly. Exactly. So if they— this Rams pick right now, I think if the draft was tomorrow, would be like third or fourth. I believe it's going to be top five for sure, but yes. And so they have, like you said, the luxury to be to go out and get a quarterback, or they can stick with golf and then put some more sick-ass weapons on that team. I mean, they took Penny Sewell two years ago, who was the top tackle, but, I mean, you could go out and get a couple more offensive linemen, and then Jared Goff will be fine. Or they could use that top Rams pick and get, you know, best player available and then say get a project in the later first round. Get a yeah. Anthony Richardson from Florida and let him sit for a year, half a year to develop him instead of getting somebody that you think you have to rush out there because Jared Goff has been over more than just servable. He's like serviceable. He's like a top 10 passer rating this year. Like he's playing extremely well. This team all around has been playing extremely well. And he's looking more and more like the leader that they wanted him to be in Los Angeles. He looks like that leader. Like there was a moment, this is a a nothing moment, but 
the cameras caught it for just a second. After the game, there was a bit of a shoving match uh, going on between some of the players for Detroit and the Vikings. And Jared Goff was somewhere else, like dapping somebody. And he rushed over there to get in love the it. middle love of it. And I'm it. like, love his guys it. are going to do nothing but love that. That is what yep. you, that's what you want. You, we're a team. We're in this together at all times in all situations. I was like, that's a, that's, no one's going to talk about that. But that one moment I saw, I was like, oh, he's grown immensely. Yeah, he's definitely, and I think it has a lot to do with when, so he gets drafted by Fisher, and he's horrific, and everyone goes, he's a bust, Terrible. he's a bust. Then Sean McVay, the boy boy genius, comes in, and then everyone goes, well, it's not Jared Goff, it's Sean McVay. That's why he got to the Super Bowl, and it's not like they got boat racing that Super Bowl, it was 13-3. to three. Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't a great game, but still, it wasn't, it wasn't like they got beat 40 to nothing, and then... I, so I think what I'm trying to say is that like thirteen three felt like twenty eight three though. <laughs> it did. But what I'm saying is like that's a lot. So you get drafted and then everyone says you're a bust, and then this guy comes in and you do well, but everyone says, oh, it's because of Sean McVay's system. You still suck. It's Sean McVay, and then you get traded to Detroit and you're an afterthought, and everyone's laughing like, oh, Detroit got the wrong end of this deal. And I think it took him a while to kind of be like, wait a second, I'm the fucking number one overall pick. Like, I'm a good quarterback because quarterbacking is so much more mental than anything else. And I think it took him a while to be like, this is my fucking team. Dan Campbell believes in me. No one is now saying, oh, it's Dan Campbell. Who's like, like they know it's Jared Goff. And I think that's really that's really benefited him in the long run. And I I want to apply Dan Campbell on one thing, and I'll I'll allude to it. I'll allude to something that we'll discuss later. Um, Dan Campbell got this job now. Brennan, you know where Dan Campbell's from? Do you know? I I don't know. I'm about to look it up now. But do you know where you think he's? No, from? I'm not. I don't know off the top of my head. Dan Campbell, Clifton, Texas, went to okay. Texas A&M. Texas boy through and through. Dan Campbell is a six five former tight end. Caucasian man. Just want to lay it all. Forty six years old. Forty six years of age. Dan Campbell got the job in Detroit. And Brent, do you remember why one of the things I loved about that hire, like what he did right after that? What? He hired a black OC and a black DC and other black assistants all down the line. Because it's one thing to say, oh, black coaches don't get opportunities, da-da-da-da-da. But it's a different thing to actually give them opportunities. Because now if they're the OC and the DC, that when other people come looking, hey, these are... It's an Aryan situation. So, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Deion Sanders got that job at Colorado, and he hired immediately two white guys to be his DC and his OC after saying, I took this job to... Help my assistant coach. Wait, what? You don't think you'd help them by making them DCs and those? You know, I'll get to it. Later. Do you think I'll get? Are to we going to talk about that? We're going to get to it later. Okay, because I've got a I got a couple of questions based on that in that realm of topic because there's something. Okay, we'll get to it later. We'll get but to I it. wanted we'll to. Get to it. You brought up um, Robinson earlier, and just a sidebar. This is this has no business anywhere in the show, Robinson? but I want to bring it up. Robinson. Yeah. Um, who do you think has the better nickname, him or Kenneth Walker? Who's Robinson? Um, Anthony Robinson. Oh, Florida. Well, I don't like his nickname because of like the climate. I know (laughs) we understand that, but that aside, do you think 
AR-15 or K-9? Which one do you think is better? Ooh, I like K-9. I did not know K-9 better. was his name. That's a pretty good You name. didn't know that was his nickname? Yeah, no. K-9. Kenneth Walker's nickname. Oh, because he wears number nine. 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 Okay, I was like, yeah. why is it? K-9. I was like, he's the third. I was like, why is it? Um, I like K-9. K-9, yeah, I haven't I like heard K-9. K-9 or anything around that. I was going to say AR-15, I mean, honestly, it's just a derivative of Andre Kirilenko, which was one of the best one of the most perfect nicknames because AK-47, he was Russian. Like, that's where the gun oh, was yeah, made. Yeah, like, okay, yeah. That, that was just fun. so See, perfect. that would be a lot cooler. I like K-9 because everyone's always, especially with running backs, they're like, you got to be a dog. And he's, he just <laughs> fucking is that like, is yeah, good. I am, actually. <laughs> All right, you brought up him earlier, so I wanted to I, – I, that question's been lingering in my head for a while. Do you think the Vikings advance to the postseason? Do you think they're going to keep going? I think they lose first game. Yeah, me too. I don't think this is an anomaly. In fact, I think this is what the Vikings are, yes. and every other game has been an, uh, has been an anomaly. Um, I, I mean, watching, how many times does it have to happen before it comes a trend? But you know what I'm saying. I was watching Debatable, and uh, the producer Deba- on there, Debatable. You don't know yeah, Debatable? What's that? Uh, no. It's basically the uh, the, uh, the the lineage show to highly questionable. Highly questionable uh, okay. went off air, and then the producers and everything. Now they do a show that's. They stream it primarily. It's on YouTube live, and then it's there. It lives there, and on Twitter, oh, okay. and yeah, ESPN a, show, yeah. Okay. Um, and Pablo Torre, Dominic Foxworth, and then they have like a rotating cast of guests. But the producer Charlie Kravitz, um, he put forth a question. He said, not even a question. He just put forth the idea that the Vikings had won x amount of one point games. And he said, if they had lost all those one-score games, yeah. they have a losing record. And then Dominique Foxworth said, you know what? That's wrong. We shouldn't say they lose all of them. They would lose, say, you know, randomness. They lose half of those games. They win half of those games. They're a 7-6 and six team. And Just that right, is right what they we feel like. Be. They feel yeah. like a seven and six team. Did I'm you not see that saying set on terrible. the Giants. They're just a seven and six team. Sorry, what, what? The Giants. They did the same thing where it's like, oh, if you ta- if you turn all their one score wins into losses, yeah. they're like one in ten and one. Yeah, it's it's. it's I mean, they're they're the Texans. Yeah. Oh, Brennan. Yes. I love throwing one of your games here in the big three weeks in a row. The Jacksonville Jaguars have made the fucking the main show. Yeah, the main show. Last week they played Detroit. They lost. But this week, this week, they went up to oh, no, it's two out of the last three weeks. Yeah, because we didn't we didn't do that. Yeah, because last week I was just like, I don't want to talk about it. Oh, okay. This week they went. Do they play in Nashville? Yeah, played Knoxville? at Tennessee. Nashville. Oh, uh, so Jacksonville has never has not won a game in nine uh meetings or in ten nine so years. Nine years. I'm yeah, gonna say I hated that they kept saying meetings. Like every time they said it, I was like, so nine years, like almost yeah, because a they decade. Only play in Tennessee once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they play there once a year. We haven't beat them in Jacksonville that often either. I know. It's one of those things where even when we first started as a franchise back in the mid nineties, Tennessee was like always our kryptonite. Even when we had the much better team, like they would, we would lose in like a weird fashion. It was very, very, you know, how those division. Rivalries that's Steve McNair, be. George, I mean, Eddie George. Sorry. Yeah. But so Jacksonville goes up to Tennessee, um, break the streak. And this game, this was dominant on Jacksonville's behalf. 
I don't know what happened. So we we played well, and what did I tell you? I said, I don't want to get my hopes up. They do this all the time where they anoint Trevor Lawrence after one good game. Then the next week they get housed by Detroit, like fucking just disgusting. And then they come out this week, and it actually looks like maybe some people were right, that maybe Trevor Lawrence is putting some of it together, maybe? Now, this was a weird game. I didn't see it the way you saw it. It didn't look dominant. From Jump Street. It did not. From Jump, it did not. You were right. Because it looked couple like. three and out. It looked like oh, Derrick Henry was yep. about to go for the one of those 200-yard games. Yeah, he got like three first downs in a row on his own. And I was like, ah, come on, man. I, he he ended up getting a buck 21 uh, with a 50-yard run in there on 17 carries. It looked like, oh, man. And, like, the, the announcers kept saying it, like, Derrick Henry, he just becomes a different person when he plays the Jaguars. Like, they he just does. can't stop. And I was like, whoo. And then there was that that fumble that I felt like needed to be reviewed. I'm sorry to say this, but. No, I, I agree with you. I was kind of like, what? Just no, happened. no, 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 no. Not, not, not the fumble part. He fumbled it, obviously. But. Yeah. I swear. Josh Allen's foot was on the line. Oh, that's what like, you're saying. Every time I saw it, I was like, I think his foot's on the line. No one ever went and looked at it. I was like, I like just just prove me wrong, if anything. Like, I yeah. think his foot's on the line. Because the ball just fell in his hand. But I was like, I think he has a foot out. He's out, yeah. <laughs> but after that, all hell broke loose. The Jags could not be stopped. They marched up and down on this team's defense. And Trevor Lawrence looked like the person who was anointed the second coming of Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning the rest of the game. He had since a sometime great in October. Since sometime in October, Sage he Jones. has a, 10 or 11 touchdowns, no picks. Since like week 10, I think it was. He hasn't thrown a pick since week 10. Wow. He's thrown like two to three touchdowns a game. And he's thrown over 200 yards in every game. So he's definitely looking a lot better. Yeah. So... I mean, he had a he had a great touchdown to Zay Jones that they went and reviewed, and you see the sliver of grass right there. So great small. move by him. Evan Ingram came alive and looked like the person that used to annoy me. When I believe he I had that. Giant. Evan Ingram was my tight end starter this this week. Oh, good job! But yeah, I wish I would have picked him. Um, would have made a couple more post seasons. Uh, but yeah, everything clicked except the running game. But outside of that, everything clicked offensively. Yeah, Travis Etienne is not. I don't know what's going on. If he's still hurt and they're just not saying anything, but he has not been putting together many points on my fantasy roster. <laughs> to be honest with you, I started the day with three Jags in my lineup, and I was like, wow. "This isn't going to work." I was about to say, so you want to know what I did? <laughs> I wasn't going to mention this, but I started my day with three Jets on my roster <laughs> on one of my rosters. Oh my God. It was the Xavier uh, Knight, if that's his name. I know Z Knight. I don't remember his whole name. Michael Carter, because I was like, okay, one of them has to get the touchdown and one might get yards. And then Corey Davis, who immediately got hurt after one catch. I, uh, Needless to I say, started, I lost. Oh, really? I started with Trevor Lawrence, Evan Ingram, and Travis Etienne. And I've Travis, Trevor I've Lawrence riding, was on my bench. Just starting. I've been riding Travis this entire season, ETN, and then I go into this weekend and go, I don't know, the Jags have never won in Tennessee in a decade. Like, this is going to be a tough game. So I went and got Huntley off the be- off of waivers, and then I had, um, and I was like, I don't have another tight end because I had Dallas Goddard on my bench, but I had, uh, I had already waived Njoku. So I was like, I need to go get a tight end. 
So I saw Ingram was there. So I grabbed Ingram and I was like, well, he has to start. And then I started ETN because I always start him. And then I was like, well, if I'm going to start Ingram, I might as well start Trevor. That's the reason I won the game. Wow. None of job. I've got so many good players. None of my skill position players, AJ Brown, Stefan Diggs, Travis ETN, Jeff Wilson Jr. And um, Nick Chubb. No one got over 10 points. And I still won the game against the le- against the number one league champion. I think AJ Brown definitely got over 10 points. He might have had like twelve, but no, no one was AJ Brown. No, was I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Double AJ check. Brown maybe AJ Brown. Maybe AJ Brown floated the rest of it. But out of but I'm saying out of those five guys, for only one of them to have a good game, it was astonishing. Travis Etienne didn't have over seven points. He had six point eight. Do you play PPR or non PPR? PPR. Full point, half point. Uh, full point. Okay, so AJ Brown had seventy yards, four catches. So, so that's seven. That's nine. eleven. Full point? Full point. Oh, yeah, full sorry. Point. So that's 11 and a touchdown. So 17. Okay. Yeah. So 17. So <laughs> one of my people. And But A.J. Brown is projected to like make 25 a game. So I'm, I'm still not, down, I'm not counting it. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I was just really proud of myself because I believed in my Jags. And uh, the road losing streak is over. That little circumstance. We don't care. If, <laughs> if Jacksonville wins out, we end up winning the division. Yes. Which is insane. Yeah, I mean, is it possible though? Do you you have to win out and do the Titans have to lose out? No, we just have to win out because oh, wow. we still play the because we play the Titans and Houston again. Oh. If I'm not mistaken, let me I'll pull up the remaining schedule. But I know if we win out and then I'm yeah, you're probably right. Like they're they'll probably eight, have to. five and six. I mean, they're seven and six. Um so I think let I think pull they up the may have is. to lose out. So we still have to no because we're gonna play the Texans and the Titans again. So if we beat the Cowboys and the Jets, the Texans and the Titans, we could end up winning this division at, oh, don't think at nine and eight. Don't think that's gonna happen. But they do play the Chargers, the Texans, the Cowboys, and then you guys. So I mean, possibilities are endless. We just saw I mean the Jets are reeling at quarterback. The Cowboys kind of already have it locked up. We saw how they played against Houston. I was about to say we just saw how they played against Houston, though. I mean, and we saw what the uh the Jags did against Terrence Steele is out. Oh God, yeah. this is gonna be But they uh they're getting Tyron Smith back, I believe. Yeah. They um are. but we saw with the we saw what the Jags did to the Chargers. So I mean, any given yeah. Sunday. Any given Sunday. All right, let's go. All right. First game and one more round I'm going to take since I'm assuming Joe wants to talk about his team. Yes. So we're talking Baltimore at Pittsburgh. Baltimore is reeling right now. Uh, So game of attrition. Yeah, Lamar is out. Uh, due to injuries, and then Huntley got knocked out as well. What was it? Uh, it was a concussion, concussion right? Yeah. So then Anthony Brown, undrafted rookie out of Oregon, comes in three for five. That's not very good. Kenny Pickett went out at one point. Mitch Trubisky had to come in, or no? Kenny Pickett was hurt, wasn't he? He went out for the rest of the game. Yes. Yeah. Concussion. So, God. This game, like you said, game of attrition. Mm-hmm. The Ravens ended up pulling it out 16-14 in Pittsburgh, but 
This was a mess. The The one bright spot, the one shining spot for Baltimore is obviously J.K. Dobbins, who has been suffering with injuries, and he's finally back. I think it, what was it, last week was the first time in like a year and a half that Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins had played together? Uh, Something crazy like that? Possibly, because I think when J.K. was healthy enough to be in the starting lineup earlier this year, he went, uh, Gus was it, and then he went out, and then Gus came the next week. Yeah, I think this is the first time in a season and a half that they've actually been able to be in their tandem, which was one of, if you remember two years ago when they made that playoff run, that was one of their big things was Lamar could take off and then they had these two great running backs. So uh, Pittsburgh still could end up with a, you know, a non-losing record, which is insane to me. (laughs) But um, yeah, this game wasn't, I didn't like it very much. I didn't think it was very good because all the injuries and it was just kind of sloppy play, but We'll see what happens. Baltimore, I'm not I want to ask you, because I know Baltimore's your account. Do you think they can make a run in the postseason when Lamar comes back? Um, if Lamar comes back and the running game gets looks like it did this week, uh certainly. Um okay. if not, this team, they're never gonna be good if their best receiver is constantly Mark Andrews. Like yeah. I was thinking to myself the other day, is Mark Andrews good or is he just all they have? I think it's the latter versus the former. I think it's all they have. So, I think he's I think he's good, but I don't think of him in the same light as Honestly, I think Kelsey is Kelsey the only tight end at this point? Tell uh, Kelsey Goddard's not there yet. No, not at all. I think Kittle is no longer that guy due to injuries. Um can you think of another tight end that's like dominant? Think about uh, it as Evan like, Ingram. One more round. Kansas City <laughs> versus Denver. Uh, Kansas City looked to be cruising for bruising on Denver until Denver scored more in. Uh, they outpaced their average for per game in the second quarter alone by scoring fourteen points. Um, Russell Wilson looked good. He looked alive. Gary Judy had probably his best game ever as a pro. And then I believe it was in the third quarter. Russell Wilson had one of the most. He had a tool like injury where he was brought to the ground, head hit the turf. And I know this is like partially my profession. Cameramen, can we stop zooming in on people's faces when we know they have a concussion and they might not be looking their hottest? Um, Russell, hottest. Russell Wilson looked to be dazed. And it, to me, it looked like he was like mumbling things and he looked out of it and it was dazed and confused. Some would and say. Some would say. Um, but it just did not look like the best uh, position that he was in. And they zoomed in on it and it was a little grotesque. I mean, they needed, they, I mean, to be, to be blunt about it. We know we're watching a dangerous game. Don't remind us. <laughs> yep. So uh, he left the game. He had a, he had a knot on his head. Um, that was the size of a golf ball. Damn near. Uh, and now he's in protocol, but back. I think also what this game said to me is Jalen Hurts will be your MVP, undisputed at this point, 
because though Patrick Mahomes, you know, carried them to this win, three interceptions. That's one of the main reasons that Denver was able to hold on for so long in this game and have a closer than uh, anticipated uh, result. Um, Patrick Mahomes, I mean, trust me, I'm not saying that he's not great. He's not one of the best players, but in this season, he's him. The people who you would put next to Jalen Hurts, to me, have all had games where it's been like, eh. whereas Jalen Hurts still has only thrown three interceptions for the season, whereas a Joe that Burrow. That can't be right. That is correct. Joe Burrow has had five in a game. Patrick Mahomes had three in a game. So I don't know Trevor who else. Trevor is at 13. I don't know who else you want to put in that category with him. Trevor Josh, Lawrence is at 13. Josh Allen has like over 10, I believe. Like a lot of these guys are in double digits where Jalen Hurts is still hasn't gotten five. So that's what I'm saying. Do you think it's Do you think it's because Jalen Hurts doesn't take enough risks with the football? Uh again. That's coming up next after the break. That's a tease, my friend. Did you see um, the pass to AJ Brown against the defender on the Titans. Like Tampa Bay, San Francisco. San Francisco refused to go after Baker Mayfield when he went on to waivers because they're Dude. rolling with Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy. Who you rolling with? Brock Brock Purdy. Uh to quote a little Jamie Kennedy experiment from back in the day. R.I.P. Bob Saget. Uh this game. Was, got away from the Bucks and they, they got away from them early. Uh, ended up 35-7. to seven. Bucks scored one time in the third quarter. Tom Brady, you don't expect to see this. 55 pass attempts, only one touchdown, two picks. Any game where you said, hey, Tom Brady's going to throw the ball 55 times, I would not think they only got seven points. Tampa Bay is still uh, in the running for the playoffs, as sad as it is, because they played in a god-awful division. Who would have thunk that the AFC South would not be the worst division in football this year? Uh, it's the NFC South by a wide margin. And uh, San Francisco looks like they're confident, or they definitely are confident in Brock Purdy, but it looks like they might be able to make a bit of a playoff run with so many skill positions around them. Debo goes down in that horrific injury, but uh, said he will be back for the playoffs. It was not a break or a tear. It was a, a major sprain, but they are hoping to get him back for at least maybe the last week of the season, if not the start of the playoffs. One more round. So succinct. That was very good by you, by the way. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles took on the New York Giants in Philly East. Uh, they, they went didn't to. Take them on. They picked him up and ran him out. <laughs> <laughs> they went to East Rutherford, New Jersey, and played a home game effectively, running the uh, New York Giants out of the stadium, the out of the building. Eagles defense uh, featured heavily in getting a total of. Let me find this. Uh, they had one turnover, but how many sacks did we end up? Wasn't it something stupid? Oh, no, that was the seven Jets game where sacks. they had, like, 12 sacks. We had seven. We ended up getting seven sacks on their quarterback. Uh, Jalen Hurts, effective and efficient and uh, not risk-averse, but turnover-averse. Miles um, Sanders on the ground, 17 carries, a buck 44, two TDs, ripping through that defense. Um, A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, light days, but a touchdown for each of them. The team just looks efficient. The offensive line is championship worthy, honestly. Um, yeah, both both sides of the ball. The defense is now taking over. I mean, it took a while. 
And it took everybody saying, oh, they can't stop the run. They can't stop the run. Uh, yeah, we stopped the run. Uh, we're stopping the run consistently now Now that we went and signed Linval Joseph and Nadam Kinsu and Jordan Davis is back. But also, we're limiting the pass and we're getting after the pass. Uh, we're getting our pass rushers are getting after the quarterback at a phenomenal rate. We are the number one sack team uh, in the league uh, with 49. We stand alone. Um, coming from, I believe we were at the fifth position at this earlier, uh, earlier, earlier points in the season, where people thought that mm, maybe they need to be getting more sacks. They're not getting as much production as their defense is warranting, and yeah, it's flipped up now, and we are the best around. Drunk Joe, ladies and gentlemen. Brennan. Yeah, let's talk NBA, man. The Pelicans are here. I believe we had that. I believe we alluded to that. That may be the case sooner or later. Uh, They're currently number one, tied for number one, actually. Uh, tied for number one uh, with the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, Brennan, I never understand that. What do you mean? The Memphis is in the West, aren't they? Yeah. Pelicans are in the West. Yeah, I, I don't understand. Yeah, I don't know why either of those teams are. Look, I've had issues with the NBA map for so long. I was long. thinking about it, and I was like, no. Milwaukee and Minnesota are further east, I mean, west than Minneapolis and Memphis. It's insane. Yeah, so um, Zion, last year when he was hurt and no one could find him, and it was a foot injury, and he was gaining all that weight, and I was like, oh, boy, this guy's career if he can't turn this around, it's over. Luckily, luckily, we did say this last year. I remember specifically us saying this. We said, well, he's very young. He's either going to go one of two ways. He's going to rebound and bounce back, or this is a disaster. And he ended up rebounding. No pun intended. Zion looks fantastic. He Did you see that windmill dunk that he yes. did the other day? That pissed off the Suns, yes. I'm very Yeah, sure. and then he like looked at the bench like, fuck off. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, this team is here now. Uh, David, uh, what's the GM's last name? Griffin? David Griffin needs all the credit in the world. He made one bad decision with the Van Gundy hire and then quickly remedied that. But this, this roster that he has put together here and maintained I say it was a bad hire. Well, uh, I don't think I don't think it was a, what the Pelicans needed at the time. I'm not saying Van Gundy's a bad coach. Obviously, he took the Magic to the finals, but I just don't think it's what they needed at the time. Did they um, make the postseason thing? No, they made it really good. No. Yeah, yeah. Also, Zion that's, missed like most of that year. But anyway. That's that's true. But I, I just think Zion looks great. Um, Ingram, it's Ingram, right? That's the other star that they have. Yeah. He looks good. I also didn't think that they'd be able to play well together because I know Ingram's young and everything he went through with before uh with the Lakers. It was the Lakers. God. Yeah. I gotta I, I know these things, but I don't know why I'm like <laughs> hesitating on it. Uh I don't. I thought they weren't going to mesh well because I thought it was going to be like Zion's team. No, it's Ingram's team. Blah blah blah. But they've they've actually become incredibly cohesive over the last season. I think a lot of that has to do with last year. They didn't play together a lot, and I think now that they're playing together, it's actually kind of forming into this great team. Yeah, um, Zion. Zion has been playing impressive as all get out. Uh, Twenty five point seven boards a game. Ingram's been thirty six percent from three. 32% from, uh, like 60% from inside the paint. 
I mean, that's yeah. where you want him anyways. Um, Ingram's been out for a little bit of this run right now. Uh, but I think the coaching hire, the coaching move was big, but I think the biggest thing was bringing an adult in the room. Uh, making that trade for CJ McCollum showed, like, many things. One, it was bringing an adult to kind of, like, level all the heads. And, you know, you need that leader you need that leader guy. Young talent can only do so much if it has no guidance. Um, but also what bringing in TJ McComb did last year, and now it's rolling over into this year, was saying, hey, we believe in this team, and we think we're just, just but so far away, and we're going to make this push now, and it's going to help us with our confidence later. See, bringing in C.J. McCollum took them from, I think, like the 12th or 11th spot into the 10th spot all the way into winning both of their playing games to making the postseason proper. So that face that the, the, the organization and the front office showed in this team and Zion being out also kind of benefited because it gave people like Herb Jones, uh, Trey Murphy, Jose Alvarado time to grow and develop, and it gave Willie Green the the film on on tape to see how can I use them once I get this new, effectively a, a free agent back to my team. Once I get Zion, this bigger presence, how do I use all these people effectively? A good coach figures that out. A bad coach never figures that out. But Willie Green is proven to be um, somewhat of a good coach so far. I mean, he's number one in the West right now. So I'm going to give him his flowers while he can still smell them. Uh, so, yeah, this team is just – they have everything you want. They got everything you want. And they work from the inside out. And when Ingram's there, he's lights out. And when Zion's there – it's lights out, and I, I've been impressed with this team altogether, and I've been impressed with that that draft class has proven, uh, well, let me not say the whole draft class, that one-two pick have proven that they were the correct one-two pick. Anytime Zion is playing, he looks dominant, and he's lost some weight this year, which is one of the things yeah, I wanted. Great. He looks amazing. He's playing fantastic. And then John Morant sitting at the number two spot is he is box office, as Stephen A will say. He is you pay your money to go see John Morant come to your town because you know he's gonna put on a show. And that Memphis team is they're all canines, god damn it. <laughs> so yeah. Speaking of we're talking about the young up and comers. Uh let's talk about some of the old guys. Okay. Brennan. Uh the Warriors, they I believe it was this past Sunday, they beat the uh the best current team the best NBA. team in the NBA, yeah. The uh Philadelphia Whoa, the whoa. Boston Celtics. Uh uh, but they still sit at five hundred and it's something we've been harping on all year. Um they're they're fifty fifty when they're home. Twelve they're and two good. at home and two and twelve away. They're literally split down the middle as far as their home and road record. Where do you, and they sit at ten right now? Uh, where do you think they are 
come season end? Are they top six and avoiding the play-in, or are they bottom six? Because if, I mean, small sample size, but not that small. I mean, that's what, uh, 28 games? Yeah. 28 games in. I mean, if this is to bear out for the entirety of the season, 41 games at home, 41 games on the road. Are they going to yep. split it down the middle? I think they're going to get it together. Uh, you can tell this team, uh, as weird as it is to say, because it's Steph Curry's team, this team kind of lives and dies by clay at the moment. And we talked about this before because Steve Kerr is not going to not play clay Thompson. Um, and I know you suggested maybe he come off the bench. Uh, the game they went against the Celtics, he had over 20 points. The game they lost to the Bucks, the very, like the next game they played, not nowhere to be found really. Uh, so it's, one of those things where I think they're going to get it together. And also, they whiffed on these draft picks. They had those early, what was it, a year ago or two years ago? They had that second pick or third pick when yeah, they took it was like Weissman. Two seasons in a row. Yeah, they had top picks. And neither of those picks have panned out. Wiseman, Wiseman, Kaminga, and Moses Moody. Yeah. And I think Wiseman's in the D League right now. Kaminga yeah. can't get on the court. Like, this is. It, there was all this talk before the season about how Poole, Wiseman, Kaminga, those guys are going to like be the young bloods, and then they're going to phase out Clay, Steph, and Draymond, and then they were going to like start to run their own dynasty. And that is not going to be the case if it, it if it keeps look if it the way it's going right now, it looks like it's going to be maybe a season or two more of Clay, Draymond, and Steph, and then it's over. Yeah, Jordan Poole's not going to carry that whole team. I was, I think, yeah, it was funny because Poole wasn't even. Paul is like an in-betweener in that whole yeah. thing, and he's more out to be the best of all of those young those, guys. Yeah, quote-unquote younger guys. I don't. I think they make the playoffs. I think they'll be in the top six because uh, I think they're going to get it together. But I don't think, in long term, I don't think this is what they expected at all when they were drafting those guys in the top five picks. Um, I don't think they make the top six. What? I Former think, champs? I think, Defending champs? I think the top four right now is going to, in whatever order they end up in, is going to remain. But I see too much from, on a more consistent basis, from Portland, the Kings, Dallas, and then depending on how much Kawhi can play, I see too much from those four teams on a day-in, day-out basis than... The Warriors, because when the Warriors leave home, they just get trampled. It's that's true. They do, insane. and I mean the record reflects that. But like Dallas, I don't think I. While I love Luca, we've talked about this before, but I don't think a team with that much usage rate for one player. See Russell Westbrook. See John Wall. Russell Westbrook at least gave you the six seed in the, in the. That's true. The he West. did drag him to the. He did Saying. drag him to the playoffs. No, just that's Saying. true. You're right. All right, you're right. I think the Warriors are going to put it together, but that's only because history has taught me that's a virtual certainty. Um, I mean, will I be surprised? No, but do I think they will? I don't know, man. I think their problems are not going to be quick fixes, and it's it's long term. Oh, yeah, I agree with that. Functional yeah. things at this point, especially just what if you go away from home. I, I'll look it up on NBA Reference uh, here while we discuss this next topic, but just. The margin of victory on the road, it seems so dire. I don't know what can fix that necessarily. Yeah, because they're getting housed. It's not like close games. Yeah. But speaking of, Brennan, 
Have yes. the Philadelphia 76ers miss their championship window entirely? Is it over? I've been, is it I've been talking about this. I've been talking about this for a while. I think it is. I did not have them doing nearly what other people thought they were going to do this season, going into this season, I mean. Uh, I think they missed their window. I think they clearly missed their window. The, and, I mean, it's no one's fault. Like, Joel early kept getting hurt. And then, obviously, they make these trades, thinking they're bringing in, you know, better players. But, like, that whole getting rid of, like, Seth last year was a huge thing because they needed that shooting. They needed that spacing. And the Maxi situation is odd to me just because, like, he's, you know, kind of, I don't want to say a ball stopper, but he's definitely trying to be a pivotal part of the offense. But it's like, that's not what they're trying to run over there. So I think they missed their window entirely. I think it's just... One of those things where you hear about it all the time in relationships, like, oh, you know, we were perfect for each other. Just the timing was off. You know, what is it? Uh, you're right, just not right now kind of a thing. I think that's the situation with the 76ers. On paper, you put all these pieces together and you think it's going to work out famously. But it's like they're just at, you know, Harden three years ago on this team. Hell yeah, they like, let's rock and roll. Harden today, I don't think, I mean, he shows glimpses of that MVP level caliber player, but I don't think he's there anymore. And Joel is coming into his prime like Shaq circa 1990s where you go, oh, yeah, he dropped 53 points. And you're like, oh, that's insane. But he doesn't have enough pieces around him anymore. Yeah, um, I, I picked Joel to win the MVP this year. Uh, I thought this team I had a lot of I, I thought this team would at least be a top four team. But I don't think they will be. I think they're going to end up being somewhere in the five, six range. Um, they. they it's been beaten out of them. I mean, they they were on the cusp for so long that th when we look back at it, that um, Kawhi shot is going to be the death knell of this team. Uh, yeah. They Looking back not, now, hindsight, that's exactly when it happened. They have not been able to capture whatever we've been expecting them to capture since that moment. They, they look lethargic at times. They look inconsistent at times. They look like they don't want to play together. They look like uh, if one person's having a game, everybody else is disinterested, and vice versa, depending on who is having Classic game. James Harden basketball. Yeah. So at time, like they started the season kind of with uh, playing in the Harden mold, and then after Harden got hurt, it was like, all right, Joel's team, and now Harden's back, and it's like, uh, we'll figure it out. <laughs> And it's it's confounding. This team has too much talent and is too good to not be good, but they they just aren't good. Yeah, they're just not putting it together. They are not. They're not good because obviously, I mean, they're good, but they're not. No, I know what you mean. Though. They're not. They were. Yeah. Did you find it? No. Uh, what's the name? Didn't have it. So now, basketball reference. Basketball reference in Anti-ad for basketball reference. Yeah, All right. Didn't have what well, I needed for you guys. Let's move on because we're at an hour. Let's keep it going. Okay. Brennan. World Cup talk. Tell me you've been watching. Uh, I've been watching the highlights. Well, okay. Uh, well, we're we're going to zoom past this. I initially wrote this uh, dossier uh, a couple Last days week. ago. Um, so, quick hitters. Uh, Argentina. Beats the Netherlands after in a okay. First, I want to preface this with probably 
the best quarterfinal round I've ever seen. Yeah, it was fun. Bonanza. Netherlands, Argentina. It's I've got a bone to pick with this one. I know it's really? the first one and we were going to try to zoom through it. Go I have a it. bone to pick with this one. Go for it. Messi, in his fucking 60-year career, has never scored a goal in the knockout round. He did. I work with three people who are huge Argentina fans. Huge, yeah, huge Messi fans, huge Argentina fans. So I was betting, I was shorting Messi this whole knockout round. And I got fucked. You did. Because this guy, at the tail end of his career, decides to turn it on for one last World Cup dance. They also uh, have been giving him basically every penalty that they get. Yeah. So most of his goals in the knockout have been pens. But that's it. That's all I wanted to say. Because everything else, I mean, I've got something to say on all of it. But that that Argentina thing blew my mind. I was like, there's no way they get past the Netherlands. I mean, I I knew they might get past the Netherlands. It was the uh, the next game where I was like, what the shit, man? Okay, so uh, Argentina Argentina went up 2-0, then conceded no. two goals, went to penalty kicks, and Argentina moved on. Portugal, Morocco. Uh, probably shouldn't go to this one next, but anyway, because there are different days anyway. Morocco goes one up very early, never concedes the goal. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo had been benched in the prior game where his replacement had a hat trick, so they weren't going to put him in at the start of this game. When they did, Cristiano Ronaldo uh, has a couple of issues as far as his play right now at his advanced age of 37. Um, it's why he's been let go by his club team and Man U and why, I mean, even his country prior to the game where he first got benched, they voted uh, in a just a, a countrywide poll uh, via some, I don't know, I think it was some media outlet. 70% of the people in Portugal didn't even want to see him start anymore. Um, he's burned many bridges. He's not the player he once was. And he plays a very, very selfish game. So... Morocco beats them to move on and becomes the first AFCON nation ever to make the semifinals of a World Cup. You got anything on this one? No, not on this one. I thought it was interesting, Morocco's defense, this whole World Cup. They're just building a wall. They're just not letting people score. Yeah, they are. They were. They have like almost no, I mean, other than that one early goal, they have like no offense to speak of. It's, it's um, all defense. They play their offense through their defense. This is uh, they play a yeah, similar that's what game. I said. Settle down. They play a similar style to what the U.S. played in years past, where it's defense, 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 counter, and it's their one opportunity. Like if we don't like score that. here, we're gonna screw. <laughs> yeah, because they what was it? They uh, won the first knockout game on penalty kicks, zero nil nil. Then yeah. this game it was one nil. Then the last game it was nil nil. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so then uh, you had Croatia-Brazil, which was a Brazil goes up. It's a 0-0 game going into the extra time. Brazil scores the first goal Neymar does on a beautiful, beautiful run. And then they concede in the second half of extra time, and it goes to Penn. And this is going to be a question they will ask themselves forever and a question they will haunt them, that will haunt them. But Brazil, in their first four, so strategy wise, you want to have one at least your best player go, if not first, fourth in the event that you know you, you have to can, have it. You have to have it to have another opportunity. 
they did not have Neymar kick that fourth goal and how the penalties played out. They needed that fourth goal. It ricochets off the post and Croatia goes and Neymar never even gets an opportunity. To Who does get Neymar, who's Neymar's kick. club team? His club team is PSG, where he plays with Kylian Mbappe along with uh, Lionel Messi right now. And Kylian That's Mbappe. That's the French team, right? For, yes, it is. Uh, how much money do they have? They have a lot. They've uh, got to pay these guys like $100 million a I year, each of them. I think right now PSG is owned by some uh, either Saudi money or some middle, okay. some some oil money. Let's what say. a waste. It's in the French League. Ugh, gross. You got some of the best players. But, I mean, in the French League, yes, but you still go to the Champions League. So, where no, you play true. some that's, of the best teams. Well, you play against the Prem, the best league in all the world. You play against all the best teams, not just the Premier League. Uh, I know, but the Premier League is the best one. I mean, it's the best as far as... You got me into the Premier League. I assumed the it was best, the best one. It's the best as far as bottom, top-to-bottom talent. But, I mean... they, don't they win speak the, English. They don't so win the Champions game. League every year. I mean, La Liga is amazing. You have... Uh, Barcelona, you have Real Madrid, Barcelona, you got Ajax in the Netherlands, you got uh, yeah, but they Bayern Munich in Germany, you got a lot of great teams around. The I'm trying to do like a nationalist, uh, but England, speaking of, lose to the French team, uh, in a heartbreaking Bobby, fashion, in only yeah, that one was the way nuts. England can. France Kane goes try up, to save them, man. France goes up almost immediately in the 11th minute with a goal. Harry Kane gets there's a penalty. Uh, that Saka gets Harry Kane steps up facing his teammate at Tottenham Hotspur in the Lord. Uh, uh, never going to be able to say this guy's name. L L O R I S. Loris? Loris? I don't know. Uh, makes the penalty kick against him. Now it's a 1 1 game. Then we go the other way. Almost immediately, uh, uh, France goes back up, but it takes a little while. And Olivier Giroud. Gets the goal. What a hold-up play by this guy. He has people on his back, and his lower body is so strong that he just keeps them where they are so he can secure the ball, turn around, and put one in the net. But France makes a mistake. Theo, uh, Theo Hernandez uh, primarily makes the mistakes, fouls uh, Mason Mont in the penalty, uh, in the restricted area, giving conceding another penalty, penalty to your uh, England and again Harry Kane is their penalty kicker he steps up it's again Loris 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 and Lori I think that is it Loris um, you don't pronounce yeah they don't pronounce S's and names in France so it'd be Lori and he steps up similar similar approach going to the same side he did before Loris guesses it this time but it's high. It may go in the top left corner, but it sails over the net. And that's the game. And that is how the game plays out. England gets only one other potential opportunity with Marcus Rashford on a free kick at the end of the game that could have got in, but it sailed a little too high, and France holds on to move on. Now it sets up the semifinals. I'll break run through this very quickly because these games had a little less... Uh, suspense yeah, there wasn't as much oomph to it. Uh, Argentina sets up against Croatia, and poor, uh, Morocco sets up against France. Now, I will say this. Those first 15 minutes, Croatia looked to be the better team. But after that, 
How many minutes do they play, Joe? They play 90. Okay. So after that. After those first 15 minutes, they concede a penalty to Argentina. Messi lines up, puts it in the back of the net. And then uh, I can't remember the young man's name, but I know he plays for Man City, which tells you a lot. And he doesn't even play a lot for Man City. Uh, He bully balls his way to get a goal. And then later on, Messi sets him up with another goal. uh, And Argentina wins 3-0 over Croatia to move on to the final. And that set up today's game with France over Morocco. France cruised... Uh, for the most part, to a 2-0 victory, um, there was a there was a about a 15 to 20 minute chunk in the second half where Morocco was threatening and threatening relentlessly. I said aloud to the people I was watching the game with, it reminded me of U.S. versus Iran, where the U.S. got their goal early in the first half and. Iran was just pressing and pressing and pressing and pressing and pressing, and the U.S. just had to hold on for dear life. Uh, great defending by the French team. Anthony Griezmann, his work rate has been exceptional. He's playing effectively attacking mid, but he's playing all the way back to the back line, helping out the defense. Um, this French team, uh, Mike Ryan has said it for the on the Levitar show, but the French might be the number one soccer nation in the world right now. We've always believed that it to be Brazil. Brazil hasn't won a final in 24 years. The last team to win two was Brazil way early in this millennia. Um, and France is on pace to win two back to back. And they have who is believed to be the next great player in Kylian Mbappe. And if you're a soccer fan, you know that they're actually missing some of their best players. They're missing their one of their starting center backs in Golden Kante. They're missing uh, their premier uh, striker in Kareem Benzema. Uh, they're missing people in the midfield. France is a powerhouse and a juggernaut, and they'll be playing Messi, who is Messi, and a lot of great talent on Argentina, honestly. Um, but we will see one of the most epic showdowns between a past great nation as far as Argentina's case and the maybe the future of uh, World Cup soccer in France because Messi, this is Messi's fifth World Cup. This is his second final. And this is Kylian Mbappe's second World Cup and his second final. So I know, that's <laughs> we may see him in a lot more. Uh, oh, Paul Pogba is also being missed on France's midfield. Uh, how could I forget? Um, yeah, so this is gonna. This is setting up to be. This is the final that FIFA would have dreamed of at the beginning, and we have it now. Uh, yeah, yeah. So Messi versus Mbappe. Messi versus Mbappe. Brendan, do you want to get into any of the quick hits in particular? The Dion, and then obviously we have to talk about... Okay. I mean, we can just touch on the Britney thing. Okay. And you'd be surprised how quick... Quick! Name hits. Quick hit. Really just wanted to say welcome back to the USA, Britney Griner. Britney Happy Griner. to have you 42 back. is back. You know, as... I know she models her number. You know, she goes with the number 42 after me, and I appreciate that, you know. <laughs> Big shout out, Britney. You know, glad you're home. Uh, we were rooting for you over here. You got like six shout outs on this show. So mm-hmm. we're happy you're back. Yes. Um, 
Putin finally listened to the podcast. I hope he doesn't. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. He's dead. He's like in a bunker. Yeah, is he shitting himself and whatnot. What, what's going yeah. on with that? I think they're doing the you same thing. You got people in that queen. region, right? What's going on? De- yeah, I do actually. Oh, <laughs> Chimpriatna. Uh, all right. <clears throat> so, yeah, welcome home, Brittany Griner. I want to get into this Dion thing. I know yes. we're already well over time, but this is something that's interesting to me. Do you think. And I'm going to take it there, and we got to go quick, so quick. forgive me, audience, for not like warming up this this question. Do you think Deion Sanders, being in the situation that he was in, uh, going to a, a Florida State under Bobby Bowden, and then making millions of dollars playing two different sports, do you think he's maybe not as in touch with the struggles that go with black coaches in the in just football in general do you think maybe he's just adverse to that or just unknowing of that or do you think he just went with the best people he could find because i don't think that's the case i don't think the you know with the two coordinator situation that was the case um okay this is you just put a lot on my plate i think at the end of the day the There's thing. Dion Blind to the racism <laughs> in the NFL and high-level college football. Coming up next. I think at the end of the day, Dion is in service to Dion. Mm-hmm. I and, agree. And Sanders, uh, because his son, I believe, is also transferring with him to Colorado to be the He's head supposed coach. supposed to come to FAU until all that shit happens. What, didn't he play there a year or no? No, he, him and... Um, some Michael Irving's son both committed to FAU. And then when Dion got the head coaching job, Dion's son obviously left. And then Michael Irving's son ended up going somewhere else too. He went to Dion's Miami. Son left. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah. So Dion is in service to Dion first and foremost. And I feel like he has a and the reason I brought it up earlier was because one of the reasons, if you remember the CNN 60 Minutes interview where he talked about, uh, where they asked him, would you make a move to a power five? He said, yes, because I have to look out for my assistant coaches. Um, the Jackson State and uh, Jackson State in the, in, the country, in the state of Mississippi doesn't have the funding to pay them like top assistants. Yeah, um, and it's an HBCU, so they don't have the Yeah, they don't funding. have the most funding. So, yes, I would do that. Because I'm fine, but I have to look out for my guys. And then when now one of his guys got the job at J, uh, JSU, stayed, and he will be the head coach going forward. But when I saw that he hired the Kent State head coach to be his OC and Alabama, was it Alabama's DC or just an yeah. assistant? I think it was just an assistant, actually. Okay, so he had Alabama, an assistant for Alabama to be his DC. I, I immediately flashed back to that that interview with sixty minutes, and I said, "Wait a second, you know the best way to get your guys more money is to put them in the positions that make the most money." Yeah, newsflash: the uh, <laughs> head coach of Jackson State still makes less than a coordinator at Colorado. So yeah, um, by quite a margin. So I, I I was just I was taken aback, but I was not shocked or surprised because Dion, at the end of the day, and this was what, and I think uh, I won't speak for him, but I think this is what Bomani Jones 
was trying to say if I mean if you listen to his podcast what he was saying but there was a clip circling circulating around from CNN that was a 2 minute clip of like a 9 minute segment where he kind of said everything but the Chiron was pretty terrible because the Chiron said is Dion a sellout <laughs> um and if you listen to his words he says no Dion is simply just doing what every coach does mm-hmm. but the thing is when Dion presented himself, when he rocked up to JSU to be the head coach there, he presented himself to not be what every coach was. So it's more of a snake oil salesman. Now, this is not his words. These are my words. It's more of the situation of a snake oil salesman where he said, hey, I'm selling you on one thing. I'm selling you on X, Y, Z. And this is not to say that I don't think – uh, Dion doesn't care about the plight of black coaches. I don't think he cares about the plight of black athletes. I think he cares about those things deeply. But at the end of the day, this situation, and it's 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 not fair to put all that on his plate. But the problem was he made it seem like that's the plate he was willing to carry. Yeah, that's the thing that kind of I can't say bothered, obviously, uh, a person in my position, but that's the thing. Like, no, obviously we can sit here and say, oh, well, it shouldn't be the responsibility of every black man in the limelight to have to carry the plight of black culture. And you're right. In a perfect world, we, we wouldn't have to say that. We shouldn't have to say that. But the fact is he kind of stood up and said that he was willing to do that. That's the problem. Yeah. And then he didn't do it, which is why I'm reminded he of that. He did it to a degree. Now, yeah. I, I won't, I mean, look, college game day was in Jackson, Mississippi That's this year. True. We saw strolls from black fraternities on college game day. He did. He did a level of what he set out to do. But the problem is, and the problem will be, is that people are saying, okay, now it's up to the next person to carry that baton. Nobody is Deion Sanders, and nobody attracts a camera quite like him. So once he leaves, the cameras leave. Yeah, absolutely. And I just, I'm just reminded from what you were talking about and what Bomani was saying, I'm just reminded of, and I know I quote it all the time, the the stupidest shit, but I'm reminded of that scene and remember the Titans where they're talking to each other outside of practice and he goes, no, I'm going to do me and I'm going to look out for mine. And it just seems like that seems kind of like a the attitude, which there's no problem with that. That's your that's what you're supposed Look, to do. I mean, that's what people the whole tell me all the time. built on. Yeah. And people tell me all the time, especially in New York, they're like, Brennan, you fucking don't worry about everyone else. Like, just worry about you. So I totally understand that as his. God-given right to do that. The thing that kind of irks me a little, which I'm sure it irks you, is the fact that you kind of said you weren't, you were going to like, you said you were going to do on your that. Back. You said you were going to look. You, no, you he said he was going to look for me and mines, but the me and mines was a a swath of people. A, yeah, group. Yeah. <laughs> And so I don't know. It just kind of it, it rubbed me the wrong way when I saw that because, and then when we were talking about it earlier, just because it was like one of those things where it's like, if you want to be about you, just be about you. That's fine, but just don't. Then don't. 
Don't yeah. advertise something different. The reason why, and I we talk about this in comedy all the time, and then we can get off this. This has turned into a walk-off. I have but one more thing to say, but go ahead. The reason why people get canceled in comedy for things they say is because they portray one thing on stage or through podcasts, and then they do another. They mm. say another thing. Patrice O'Neill would never get canceled because you knew exactly who Patrice was. They try to cancel Joe Rogan, and I hate using that analogy because I look like a Rogan guy, even though I'm not. But Joe Rogan's never going to get canceled because he's always upfront and honest with people, and that's who he is. That's the person you get. But people get canceled because they portray this one thing and then do another. That's what bothers me is like, just be you. Just yeah. say I'm not, I say I'm going. I'm not the savior. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, and nobody's gonna argue with that. You don't have to. You can't. You can't fix one man. Can't fix everything. We that is understood. Uh, but the thing I was gonna say was the the most. I don't want to say disingenuous, but the thing that irked me the most was when he got the JSU job. It was a lot of God called me to do this. God called me to come and. Bowie, the rest of the HBCUs, and rising well, rising tide lifts all boats all ships, yeah. and everything. And he gets a Colorado job. God called me to come to Colorado. So God just said, all right, f- fuck JSU. Like, I got some more shit for you to figure. Like, We're done with the HBCUs. Yeah, like, wait, like, like, move on. like wait, look. <laughs> How many, how many, do you have a direct line to God? What just happened here? Like, you always get the phone call. Why haven't I, why haven't I got a phone call? Like, what's going on here? So, no, that is another thing, too, is when you when you make it seem, and I mean, this is a thing not just with Dion. This is coaching in I general. I was going to say, this coaching times, in general, and Southern coaching in general. Yeah, especially Southern coaching. How many times do coaches say, I would never leave Auburn, not for anything. And now, you know, introducing the new coach at LSU, that situation, like Chip Kelly, Brian Kelly, like this stuff happens all Jimbo the time. Fisher, Florida Jimbo State. Fisher, uh, Lane Kiffin, he was in talks to go to Auburn and he like dismissed it. And then they ended up hiring somebody else. And he's like, see, I was never going to leave. And it's yeah. like, eh, I think you were. And he got he a raise on the list. <laughs> yeah. So it's 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 commonplace in college football. It's just this seemed. It seemed. I'm disappointed because it seemed like it was a. That's exactly right. I'm disappointed because it seemed like this was going to be a different thing. And as someone who played college football at a smaller school that nobody paid attention to, when Lane Kiffin showed up, it was a huge deal. And that's what Dion did for these kids at Jackson State. And now he's just gone. And their record's going to tank. And their their recruits are going to tank. And people are going to leave. And then it's just going to go back to being an HBCU that we hear about that one week a year when they televise those games. Yeah. And that sucks because he could have changed that. Yeah. And I mean, and uh, on to, uh, with everything I said, I hope he does well at CU. Oh yeah. I I'll hope he does that. well. I mean, I, because him doing well at CU does a couple things. It shows because, I mean, there's so many coaches at HBCUs that don't get the opportunity. And it's kind of like a thing like, do they want the opportunity? Do they want to be at HBCUs? But like moving on to the next level, you know, getting that coaching into the power five, giving them a look. Um, so it it puts more uh, ADs in that situation. Like, well, if he was able to coach there, and then come here and still have a modicum of success, 
should we should is that a talent pool we should look at and that could open the doors for a, effectively a talent pool um where you have coaches young coaches who can go to HBCUs and move up the chain move up the ladder in that manner but also i mean be that as it may i in be that he was a florida state player and a dallas cowboy I have a soft spot in my heart for Deion Sanders. He was my grandma's favorite player, and my grandma didn't really watch football, but Deion popped off the screen. You know what your grandma loves? (laughs) I would say Deion popped off the screen, and he is one of one, and I I root for him at – I mean, I root for him to do well, and I hope he does well. I hope his son does well. His son is super talented. Um and yeah, I mean, really, you don't say the son of Deion Sanders is talented. <laughs> well, one of them's a videographer. The other one is a quarterback in Colorado. Now. I didn't know. Uh, <laughs> I I agree with you. I I want Deion to succeed. I'm just just this one thing. I was kind of. Yeah. It's like, and again, it was a little disappointing because yeah, I mean, exactly. we, we've seen it from so many coaches. We thought we were getting something different, but we it's thought like, we were oh, getting something different. It's and the same. Like, yeah, you're just being a, a coach, yeah. just like it's like else. opening a gift, and it's like, okay, I've got. 10 years of socks maybe for my 10th birthday my 12th birthday i'll get something else and then you open it it's socks yeah it's just socks all right let's get out of here should have played the walk-off music that was a walk-off and we'll bring you the press conference in its entirety i will not i have another podcast after this Oh, yeah, let's get out of here. I got to get to the comedy club. All right, follow me on everything at Brennan T. Comedy, BrennanTComedy.com. I have my one-man show, X Drinking Buddy, January 30th. If you're in New York City, come check it out. It'll be at the Producers Club, January 30th. Shows at 6.30 and 8.30, live taping. So be on time and shut the fuck up. Uh, tickets on my website at BrennanTComedy.com. Uh, also, you can check out my other podcast, Brennan Tassif is your ex-drinking buddy, just ex-drinking buddy, same as the one-man show. I have guests on, and we talk about their best and worst drinking, drug, party, and getting in trouble stories. The one coming out this week with Max Fine, whew, that was a doozy. We only got to one of the stories he sent me because we were talking about him going to, he forgot to mention he went to rehab twice before he was 25. It's so much fun. Joe. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Joe Dorba. You can find me on uh, you can find the show's Twitter and Instagram at Cheering Press. Don't forget to head over to the website to catch all the podcasts at anewlow.co. Uh, and you can head over to my website, joedorval.com to check out all the wares and music I have over there. And you know, videos and stuff that I've done. My short films over there too. Just throwing that out there. Um, yeah. Brennan. Get me out of here because I want to eat some before the next show because still kind of drunk. <laughs> and that's why we play the game. Hello. Hello. Huge shout out Grant Wall and Kareem Khalid Al Islam. Both passed away covering the World Cup. Huge shout out. Mike Leach. Rest in peace. Crazy coach, you. <laughs>